Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to another Mikey Crump radio exclusive special edition Corona remix. Quarantine ain't stopping me from speaking my piece. And I got a special guest in the building. I don't have to introduce this guest because this guest can introduce herself. Hello, everyone. My name is Maricela Cano. I work for the Queensboro president of Queens, Donovan Richards. Uh, I am the director of community boards. Uh, and I am so, so happy to be here on the Mikey Crump Show. <laughs> well, I appreciate you for coming on. For the people that don't know, can you give a brief description about yourself? Obviously, who you are, what you do, and where you from? Yeah, so I'm a native Queens resident. Um, I was born in Jackson Heights, Elmer's Hospital. I uh, lived in Jackson Heights till I was 10, and then I moved to Far Rockaway. I lived in Far Rockaway for 19 years, then had a brief little stint in Manhattan. I lived there for one year, and I couldn't take it, so I moved back, and now I'm in Richmond Hill. Um, but I've always worked in Queens. Uh, I majored in political science. Uh, and uh, after working a long way up, uh, I am here with the borough president. Um, so what I do for the borough president is basically every borough has community boards. Queens has 14. So I oversee all 14 community boards in Queens um, regarding any issues they're having right now with COVID. We are one of the biggest issues we're having right now is trying to meet in person again. Uh, so we are trying to see what the legislature can do to help us um, support our community boards that are trying to meet remotely. Okay, okay. So working, working for the Borough of Queens, we're in a pandemic right now. So what are the things that the Borough of Queens is trying to do to make sure everybody in the Borough of Queens is safe during COVID? So the first thing the office is doing is making sure that we are promoting, highly promoting vaccination. Vaccination is very, very important, at least to keep us a little bit safe. The second thing that at least we're doing in our office and we're pushing everybody else to do is to mask up. Um, education is also very important. So um, at the beginning of the year, uh, we've, we had a lot of vaccination town halls and we had a lot of COVID town halls, which really, really helped people understand. And we were bringing experts from different hospitals in Queens to kind of explain the vaccine, to kind of explain the process, the symptoms, um, because the vaccine was pretty new and a lot of people didn't really know how to react and, and what to expect. So that was definitely something that our office was doing to make sure that Queens residents uh, learned about the vaccine, uh, got, you know, took away any um, negative impressions that they had a vaccine, any rumors were clarified, um, and that we were educating our, our communities because since we were the epicenter of the epicenter of COVID, we wanted to make sure we were not in that situation again. Okay, so what in Queens that Queens doesn't have that you would love to have in Queens working for the borough president in your clique? Something in Queens that we don't have. I think we have a lot of things. <laughs> but like, um, but like what, but, but, okay. So let me, let me rephrase the question. So like what, what some, what is something in Queens that needs more of like a retooling that you're, you're the people that the people in the borough president's office are trying to do, like trying to retool to make it better. So the one, the biggest project that we're trying to retool is our community board. So like I mentioned, Queens has 14 community boards and they are, they serve as like mini town halls for each uh, each board, uh, for each uh, neighbor, uh, for neighborhoods in Queens. 
Um, basically, this discuss issues such as land use. So if you have any developments of any buildings, any infrastructure issues, the community board will discuss them. Um, any issues with, uh, if you're a business owner and you need a, a liquor license, it goes through there. Any issues, any quality of life issues, any issues that you may have in New York City, they go through the community board first. So one of the biggest things our office did to retool the community board is to make sure that they're actually representative of the community. Um, back in 2018, there was a law that was passed to make sure, it was a lot, of, no, it wasn't a law, it was a vote, it was a referendum that was included in, in one of the, uh, in one of the ballots to make, uh, whether it was to create term limits for, for, uh, for community board members. Um, so until 2018, you can start, you can be on the community board for 30, 40, 50 years, and, and that was fine until you resigned. Um, now a community board member can uh, be a, be appointed either by the board president or the, the city council member and only serve eight years. Um, that really helps community boards be more diverse and reflective of their actual communities because a lot of people were so invested in the communities, they never left. And, and a lot of the people ended up representing a demographic of the community that has since changed. So what our office is doing is to make sure that all any vacancies, any openings that we have, we try to include more diversity, more people of color, more women, uh, more younger people uh, to make sure that that is reflective of the community that they live in. Can you explain to the people the importance of voting locally and voting in local elections? Sure. Um, so voting in local elections is very important. Um, a lot of people will say, oh, you know, I, I only vote in the presidential because that one's the one that's important. But the one that really hits you, the one that really affects you, the one that affects, uh, you know, if you're going to have a new precinct in your neighborhood, if you're going to have a new school in your neighborhood, whether for those of you who drive, like whether their streets are going to be repaved, um, whether there's going to be new, uh, you know, uh, piping underground to make sure that the sewage is better. It's all local politics. It's all your council members, your state assembly members, your, your local senators. Um, those are the ones who are really, really advocating on behalf of your neighborhood, on behalf of your district. So you want to make sure that you get involved in those because they're the ones who are going either up to Albany or, or to City Hall and voting on proposals that will either enhance or perhaps you know kind of put to the side of your neighborhood and and usually every every elected official has a, a, a group of communities I and mean, a group of uh, uh, neighborhoods that they advocate and sometimes you know it, the, the 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 loudest communities get what they want and you want to make sure that your local elected official knows that you are paying attention that you are a voter and that you will hold them accountable if they do not come through for your neighborhood. When we're kids, you know, everybody has dreams when we're kids. You know, you hear kids saying they want to be an astronaut, kids saying they want to make the NBA, kids saying they want to be a ballet dancer. So what got you into politics? What was the moment where you say, you know what, when I get older, I want to be involved in politics? So um, when I was younger, so my mom, I, I'm first generation Ecuadorian American. Um, my mom uh, finished her fourth year of law school in Ecuador. So she came and, and, and she always kind of had that dog in her. Um, so she would always follow uh, politics just around the world, just here, like, in, you know, at home when we would watch TV. Um, so that, that's really when it started. Um, my mom would talk to me a lot about what's going on in other countries and with other presidents and 
you know, certain things that would go on. You know, fast forward to me going into college, I knew that I really wanted to do, my mom wanted me to do law. I was like, there's no way I'm doing law. But, uh, <laughs> but my mom- Why, really, why that, why that? <laughs> um, it just, it never, I never really gravitated towards it. I never found it really interesting. I think the idea of being a lawyer was kind of interesting, but I, I felt that, you know, growing up also, uh, kind of in a really working class community, if not lower than that, and in a community that I would say is, uh, it was very underrepresented, such as Far Rockway. My issue really wasn't being a lawyer. It was more like being able to stand up for issues that, bureaucracy, basically issues that like we all have when we're trying to access basic services like healthcare, like, you know, food stamps, like, you know, uh, housing. Like those were the issues that were mostly important to me. So I, I went into John Jay College, which is the college that I went to, and I, I did uh, international political science. And when I had this one class and the professor, you know, is explaining about the role of the UN that they play in regards to other countries, whether they do good or bad things, one of my questions just for clarity was, well, does the UN have actually any power? And, you know, she danced around the question, but she said basically no. That's, that's when I first got disinterested from international uh, political science. Um, and then I took another class that was like, I took it, I believe, my senior year of college because just the name of it was not cool at all. Um, but I took the class and, you know, I started the, the professor who was an adjunct professor. He explained, you know, to the entire class and to me basically that, only 33% of New Yorkers and on average vote on elections. And they're basically who determine where the funding goes to schools and determine everything that basically affects your life and how very people, I mean, this is back in 20, maybe 13, 2012, and how very people are unaware how impactful those things are and how they get money to make these decisions, but nobody's in some cases they make it on their own because they have no input. So when I realized that I can, get into that sector and make some type of change to fix what I thought was wrong or to try to fix or help, I was like, this is it for me. I'm done. I, I, I'm done choosing. And then I just worked my way up from there. Being from a borough of like Queens, Queens is known for its diversity. Do you feel like the political landscape in Queens need to be more diverse to represent the borough to its fullest? So it's changing. And I think with every election moving, I think uh, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was like a huge catalyst for that change. Um, it's slowly changing. Um, you know, I think change comes in pieces. And I think we're doing, a, I think as Queens, we're doing a better job at representation. We have an Ecuadorian council member. We have a Colombian senator. We have and Senator, yeah, Senator, um, we have, um, I, I'm blanking out right now, but I think, you know, my, my, the, the person that I work with, he, my, my boss, the uh, borough president Richards, he is of Jamaican descent. Um, so I think we're doing a lot of a better job of representing our, representing Queens. Of course we can get better. And I think as the years go by, there's going to be people that are going to fill in those spots, but I, it's, it's going to be an incremental change. It's, I'm sure there's a lot more than we can do. Um, but I think just, it's going to take some time, um, getting there. Okay. So still, still staying on Queens, obviously Queens yeah. is diverse. So what are your favorite type of foods to eat in Queens? 
And your uh, favorite restaurants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, favorite foods in Queens, uh, I would say definitely Colombian. Um, I always go to Pollo's Mario, which is on like 86th Street and, and Jackson and Roosevelt Avenue, I believe. Um, another of my favorite restaurant, which is also Colombian, it's called the Arepa Lady. It's just basically a bunch of arepas and uh, like these like flour uh, corn patties with cheese stuffed in. So it's like really gooey and cheesy. Uh, another of my favorite foods, uh, let me think, in, in Queens, um, I'm blanking out, uh, which is, uh, probably, you know, when it gets nicer and I'm kind of like in a meat mood, I'll go to a Chivito de Oro, which is also on, in Jackson Heights, 37th Avenue, um, and it's just like a bunch of steaks, but it's, uh, it's, uh, Uruguayan, if I, if I recall correctly. Um, what else do I, I really like? Um, there's this uh, taco truck. I mean, there's these are all in Jackson Heights, which is crazy. There's this taco truck on uh, 70 something in Jackson Heights. It's like been featured like everywhere. And I think they also have a taco truck in Brooklyn. Um, Vierra Landia, which is like these tacos that you kind of like dump in a consomme, which is really, really good. So, I mean, there's so, there's also actually, there is a deli that is it like, it's a deli. And it says like smoke shop, but like if you go all the way to the back, they sell like these uh cock they call them cocktails, but they're like ceviches kind of. So it's like like a shrimp cocktail type of thing. We have to go all the way to the back of the deli, and it's like these uh this like Mexican family who sells them out of like the back of the deli, and it's so packed and it's kind of like really like cool to like it's like a little hidden spot in Queens. It's also again in Jackson Heights. Okay. So a lot of places in Jackson Heights. <laughs> so, so basically what you're saying, Jackson Heights is the food capital of Queens. I would say so, because, you know, you, you, you real diverse to, out there, though. It's real diverse. It's out extremely there. diverse. Like on one corner, if you go on 80, 82nd Street and 37th Avenue, that, that's called Little Calle Colombia, which means Colombian Street. And then if you go to like 74th uh, and between Roosevelt Avenue and 37th Street, 37th Avenue, there's Little India there. If you go a little bit out of Jackson Heights into into Elmer's there is like little China like not China but it's like it's super Asian so it's, it's very diverse. Jackson Heights and like the border of Elmer's it's extremely diverse there's also like a very apparently the largest Nepalese community and Nepal is like a tiny country so I mean we are pretty diverse as uh as a community but especially Jackson Heights okay so going so going back on the political field um what is the goal that everybody in the borough president's office is trying to obtain for a better New York or a better Queens. So we all, you know, we all work in different departments, right? We all, you know, we have the director of education, director of constituent services, director of myself community boards. Uh, we all have different roles in this office, but I'll tell you my role. There I you think <laughs> my role, <laughs> my role in this office is, is, or my goal in this office is, you know, I think as, as diverse as Queens is, I, I, I do feel that Queens can also at times be, uh, hold on to opinions that might be a little bit not maybe uh, traditional or old school or maybe it's your answer i'll say that we're we can be very divided so i used to live in far rockway and, and anybody who's lived in the rockway peninsula knows that the rockway peninsula back in the day and not too long ago was very segregated and i think you see that a lot through a lot of communities in queens um and i you know when i work with community boards i tell people 
we all want the same things. We just have different ways of getting there. And this is why we're fighting. And I think my goal being here is to really, you know, paint that picture that, again, we all want the same things, but what we're just fighting is about how to get there. And we all want safe streets. We all want good schools. We all want, you know, uh, good quality of life. We'd like to be able to go home and, and, you know, for that to be like your Zen space, you know, for it not to be loud and, 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 you know, and difficult to live in. That's, that's, you know, good housing. That's what we all want. I would say, whether you're a homeowner, whether you make a hundred thousand dollars or $20,000. So I think my biggest goal is to hopefully help the people within the community board world and even civics. And now I'm working with civics is to understand that we all have the same goal, regardless if you live in Whitestone, regardless if you live in Rosedale, regardless if you live in, I don't know, Jamaica. Okay, okay. Um, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's basically, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. That's, that's a nice thing to hear. So Far Rockaway, a lot of people say that Far Rockaway is still affected by Hurricane Sandy. So what are what are things in Far Rockaway that you're trying to make better in Far Rockaway? Well, I'm not in Far Rockaway anymore, um, but I will. I did live there for 19 years, um, and it's it's a I would say it's a small neighborhood, smallish neighborhood. It's right. It's a coastal neighborhood, so it's right by the water. Yeah, um, it's Queens, I, but it's like its own its own it's, its own entity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like how Harlem is in Manhattan. Like, yeah, Harlem is in Manhattan, but Harlem is like its own thing, just it's like Far Rockaway. Yeah. yeah. So with with Far Rockaway, I would say, you know, I think the biggest things that are going on is again, like I mentioned earlier, Rockaway itself is a peninsula. It goes all the way from like Beach Ninth, and then it goes, you know, it goes into Long Beach because it's connected to like Long Beach to like beach like 200 and something, which is like breezy point. I think the biggest issue that we have in the Rockaways as a whole is that there's that lack of communication. And I think because there's so much division within different neighborhoods, within different people, within different demographics. Like if you go to Far Rockaway, it's mostly, you know, you have a lot of people from the Caribbean, you have a lot of uh, Central Americans, you have a handful of maybe you know, South Americans, but it's very, it's very, you know, Caribbean. It's very, and then you have a lot of, you know, African-Americans who've been there since like, I mean, like decades. So, you know, I, and then, and you go to, and then you go to Rockaway Park and then you have a very, very heavy Irish community. You have a very, very heavy Italian community. And I think, like I said before, I think the, one of the biggest things, at least when I was there, is to unify these these both of these ends to make sure that you know when we when we when we saw sandy we we saw many of the coastal areas being flooded we saw staten island getting flooded we saw this you know southern brooklyn getting flooded we saw parts of long island getting flooded and obviously rockway a lot of these other communities got their stuff really quickly and rockway was just like it was dragging its feet and now we don't know if it was congress and or if it was fema or if it was a or b or c but i think the issue why it really took a longer time in rockaway is because again we're all you know arguing about you know the these little details when in reality we need to make sure that it just gets done however it gets done it gets done um when i was there i was part of the my local precinct council which was the uh, 101 precinct 
Um, and we had a great, you know, deputy inspector, which is basically like the, the highest officer there who leads the entire command. Um, and we were trying to work together to, you know, to, we, we just had national night out yesterday to, it's basically an event where we, uh, the community and the police, you know, throw an event together and it's a kind of like a unification event. Um, but it, it was really to unite the communities in far Rockaway, there's also a pretty decent sized Orthodox Jewish community who, again, don't really mesh with the other community that's in Far Rockaway. So for me, someone who at the time was also working in government was to try to get both of these communities united just in Far Rockaway, the Orthodox Jewish community, and then, you know, the, 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 the people of color, the, the, the Jamaicans, the Trinidadians, the guy, we don't have that many Guyanese, and the, the Latinos who were there working together. And, you know, oftentimes you saw that division by, you know, at least when I was there, that was, that was my main goal. Okay, so is there a particular politician that influenced you growing up or it was, it's just like, you know what, I'm gonna make a difference myself. Like there was really like nobody that influenced you. There is, I mean, I, I have, I've had people, I've had politicians influence me. Um, I think, you know, I, I, I tell this to people and people are always shocked. Uh, but I, so Ronald Reagan uh, was one of my, uh, <laughs> uh, and I will, I will be very specific as to why. Um, when Ronald Reagan became president, this was before I was born. Um, and even I think he stopped being president like right before I was born also. So this happened before my time. But my mom was here and because of Ronald Reagan, he passed the Amnesty Act of 1986, which was which allowed my mom to become legal in this country and work in this country. And because she was able to do that, the only Republican, I think, who did that in the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years, my mom, you know, has been able to be here in the United States legally and be naturalized as an American citizen. So that is the only reason why I am grateful to him. Um, but no, I don't think there was one politician that I would say influenced me to be who I am. Um, I, I don't really believe in, you know, I, I'm very much myself and uh, every decision that I feel or any idea that I have of government or like, you know, an institution or a bill, it's because of my own experience. Um, you know, there, I'm not, a, I would, I would not call myself like a traditional Democrat because I've had many different things affect my life that have formed my opinions on how I view things. So I've liked aspects of different politicians, uh, but I wouldn't say one that I've completely, you know, been head over heels for. Yeah. I think, I think that's, I think that basically sums up like politics and you as usual, because they always politicians some some of them like gas our heads up and say they're going to do this say they're going to do that and sometimes they never pull through with it so it's like we have to take everything they tell us with a grain of salt because yeah. it's not always going to be 100 percent accurate and not and not all politicians are going to get an a plus because there's going to be somebody that likes what you do and there's going to be somebody that doesn't like what you do so. yeah and some politicians are, you know, there's so many issues in New York City and in the state and in the federal that you might get an A plus in education. Like, for example, de Blasio, right? People are like, oh, he's terrible. Like, I think he deserves an F in crime or maybe a D in crime. But when it came to like education, like at least the, the, the pre-K for all, um, he did a really good job. And like, you know, you can't take that away from him. And I come from a generation that like my mom paid for pre-K and there weren't that many, you know, chances. And the people that are in my kind of age group, like, you know, if your parents, you know, were okay and could afford it, you'd go to pre-K. And if not, you stayed an extra year at home. So, you know, you can't 
you know, to judge a politician like solely on, on, on them, like I, I think that's so hard. And I feel like people need to be very, very thorough when it comes like when it, you can't look at a politician as a whole, I feel like you need to look at a politician based on every single issue. Now, if the majority of the issues you align with, then yeah, you can support them, you can rally behind them. But I, I don't believe I'm, I'm like I said, I'm also not a traditional Democrat necessarily. There will be times where I vote for uh, a politician that's very progressive. There'll be times that I'll vote for a, a candidate that's more on the moderate side. And again, it's these are issues that for me as a native Queens person, I vote like this because these experiences shape my life. And I need the candidate for me to reflect that. And if they don't reflect it, then I won't vote for you. Yeah, I'm not like a conventional, straight down the line Democrat voter. Yeah. I mean, I, and that's how it should be. Like, if, if it benefits you, vote for that person. Yeah. If it benefits your community, vote for that person. You know what I mean? Everybody doesn't have the same mindset. Everybody doesn't have the same objective. So, right. so, and so, so up, again, Queens is again, it's so Queens is so big. You could have grown up, you know, very middle class and again, Whitestone and Bayside, or you could have grown up, you know, struggling in Rockaway or Jackson Heights. And even though we're both from the same borough, we both have different opinions of how government should be and how easy or hard or, you know, issues should be. So I feel like, again, you know, you, you have to really, really, when you see a candidate, you really have to take them apart and, and really see, go to their website, go where it says issues. If you ever have an opportunity to go to a forum, like where, where they're presenting their ideas and their platform, question them. Like, I think it's so important to really, really, you know, a lot of, you know, I, again, I work in politics um, and, you know, when people run, let's just say for the city council, right? So if you, a, council, a person who runs for the city council, it's all local issues, anything that's local. But there'd be candidates sometimes out there that say, like city council candidates that say, oh, I want to fix, you know, housing and I want to fix transportation. And I'm like, and, you know, as someone who actually knows, I'm like, how can you fix transportation? Transportation is a state issue. It's not a city issue. I mean, we have, you know, if, if you know a little bit more on the MTA, we have six, there's 12 spots. There's a board of 12 and we have six here in New York City because we have one of the larger transportation systems, but the others are part of upstate. But like, you know, to me, I'm like, you're, you're basically being deceitful. You're, you, you, you can advocate, you can maybe send a letter to your local representative, but if someone's going to talk to me about like transportation, if someone's going to talk to me about like housing, those are all state issues. So I'm going to go and listen to my assembly person or my state senator. I'm not going to, you know, it's, it's a little deceitful. So I think you really, really, you know, to make an informed decision, you know, obviously do your homework. Don't, don't, again, just don't, don't get carried away by someone, you know, their last name or, you know, they're Spanish or they're black or they're this, like take them apart. Read what yeah. they're in. Don't, 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 don't fall for the whole Hogan act. You know, how Hulk Hogan and wrestling used to just look at the camera, just start talking crazy. And you yeah. go, yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you ever, do you ever like think one day, maybe you might want to go to Washington or you like doing the local thing for your borough? Um, I think if the opportunity presented itself to have like a nice job in Washington, um, yeah, but I think I have more of a, of a direct influence and I have, I can make more change working here in Queens or maybe not necessarily Queens, but working in New York city, um, for, you know, let's just say the mayor's office or the borough president's office or in city council. I think there is more direct change here that like I know is going to affect people that I know directly rather than in Washington. If you're familiar with how 
Washington is, you know, how it works. You know, you have your president up here, you have your House of Representatives, and then you have uh, the Senate. Um, so in order to get anything passed, you know, it would need to be a pass by two houses and then by the president. So, and you know, with all this bipartisanship and, you know, all oh, the Republicans aren't in favor of the Democrats and vice versa, I feel like it just takes longer for things, things get done. But I think being here in New York, I have more of a direct access based on, you know, the relationships that I have based on people that I, I can work with directly to fix, let's just say a sidewalk to fix you know, to put a speed hump on a street where people are driving really fast, to allocate funding for technology for a school. Do you see, do you see the bigger picture? Maybe one day you might run for borough president or even run for mayor? No. <laughs> <laughs> straight, straight like that. No, 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 no. Why not? I would not run for office. Um, I, I mean, I'll vote for you because you can. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> You know, I, it takes a huge, working in government, I, as glamorous as it is, um, it takes a huge toll on you. Um, and I, I can tell you that from just in the job that I'm in, I'm, you know, it takes a huge toll on your family. It takes a huge toll on your personal self. And sometimes you feel, and, you know, just, I'm just going to go straight to the, you know, mental health aspect, you know, sometimes it really messes up with you. And sometimes, you know, I personally don't feel that I want to get into that field just because of that, because I, I've handled a lot of things and sometimes there's a lot of things that go on, but I, I don't think I would be able or want to shoulder the responsibility of being a public figure. I think already working in, in government and being somewhat of a public figure is, is hard enough. Not, and I'm not even talking about the job aspect, but having people recognize you, having people you know, go after you, having people, you know, be, be really nice to you, but fake, you know, and then being an even more public person, like to me, uh, some people love it and, and have done it numerous times. For me, I, I rather, you know, there's a lot of scrutiny when it comes to being in public office, as we are well aware of what's going on right now with the governor. Um, I, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I um, will, I, uh, work in an office and, and and I'd rather be the inside person than be the front cover of anything. <laughs> okay. And your line of work, do you feel like being accessible is the number one thing? Being 100%, accessible? 100%. People who, like I work in the community boards, um, all the, the chairs, district managers have my cell phone number. I'm on my email constantly. Um, that's what we want from government. I think whether you whether you're me and you work in community boards or you're trying to reach someone from the department of whatever you know welfare or housing or department of transportation, you want somebody to call you back. You want somebody to pick up when you call or when you email. Um, that gives you a sense of security. And a lot of times, I think people feel like they don't feel secure with government because they they feel like they aren't going to get back to them or they're going to forget or they have to constantly go like for me i would like the people that i work with to know that they can reach me at any time within reason of course of but course, they of can course, reach me they can reach me with any time so i think that for me is the main priority whether i can fix it or not you know i have to i always tell people you know if if i can't fix it i'm like listen look i have to work with so and so person and that person and i'm going to try and i'm going to push but you have to understand there's other people involved. But if it's something that I directly control, you will 
have my attention, I will definitely be responsive. Do you feel like social media is a benefit for your line of work? No. <laughs> I mean, to an extent, yes. You know, we we do become, a, but that's the thing. You know, I feel like, and sometimes I even experience this at work. You know, we we we've created these vehicles for people to have access, but sometimes what ends up happening a lot of times is that instead of calling the source or saying like, hey, you know what, Maricela, like you screwed up and you know, you have to fix it. Um, you know, they'll go to social media and bash you. And, and it's, and it's to me, it's like, you don't want to be part of the, pro you don't want to be part of the solution. You're just here to, to make a platform of yourself. And I think oftentimes I, I've seen that happen where instead of addressing it or trying, now, obviously there are times where people are unresponsive and of course use social media, go on Twitter, go on Facebook, go on Instagram and say, you know, I've tried to reach so-and-so and they haven't been responsive. Of course, you can use those vehicles after you've, you know, um, try to do it the traditional way. But oftentimes, like even in this office, we'll find out something is wrong or somebody has had a problem because we see it on social media. And I'm like, why did anybody email me? I talk to these people every day and I've never have once had them bring up this topic. So to me, it's just, it's more of a point of, you know, just having a platform. And I think a lot of people nowadays want to just have a platform for the sake of having one rather than actually being part of a solution. Do you feel like being with the people is a benefit? I'll ask you that then. Like being with the people, like being around, like say if like an issue happens, do you yeah. feel like being in the center with the people is like a benefit? Well, of course. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, usually, you know, a story will have three sides. I mean, you know, obviously right now we can't be physically with people because of COVID and everything. But if I can call each person and say, what happened? What's going on? Of course. And I can, you know, go back to my internal team and say, how do we fix this? How do we go about it? Or like, what do you want? What do you want? And this is how we're going to meet in the middle. Um, but that's, that's how we try to solve government. It's not by, again, going on social media and saying how terrible and horrible a person is. Sometimes we don't even know and then we're being called, you know, like awful things online. So I, I just, to me, I, you know, I don't care what people necessarily say uh, in, on, on social media platforms, but it's more about the work. And I want to make sure that you get helped. And if you're not telling me, I can't help you. And I can't be on social media, you know, sifting through comments of, you know, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. You know, we, we have these spaces, we have community boards, we have civic associations, we have, we have phone numbers, we have emails, we, you know, we, we have elected officials that you can go to and they can reach out to us if you, you know, um, creating a platform for yourself to create, you know, some sort of, uh, again, platform for yourself to me is, is uh, you really don't care. Okay, I'm, we're going to wrap it up on this. Okay. Being from the borough of Queens. Can you explain to the people that's never been to Queens that would love to come to Queens, that would love to come to New York City, why Queens is such a marvelous borough? Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, first of all, we are one of the most diverse counties in New York City. I mean, you will get to eat anything from Ethiopian food to Argentinian food to you know Trinidadian food. <laughs> If you want any type of, of food, you can find it in Queens. We have we have the Mets, we have 
Arthur Shea Stadium. We have uh, Arthur know, Ashe Stadium. Arthur Ashe. I'm sorry. Shea. <laughs> Arthur Ashe Stadium. Stadium. We're gonna soon have. Uh, we're gonna soon have our, our a football club in your college, which they're still working on it, and money has been put in. We have everything. I mean, we have Flushing Meadows Park. We have. Cunningham Park. We have Forest Park that is connected to Highland Park in Brooklyn. Like we are just, you know, you, New York. <laughs> you, you can be, you can be, you can go to Astoria and it's like Greek and it's really posh and it's very like there's like some little 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 Eastern community there. Um, and then you know you can go to like Bayside and go to Bell Boulevard and it's more like a chill hangout spot. I mean. I feel like there's so many places to go. You can go to Flushing and it's 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 like it's booming and it's just it's a lot going on and there's like these little mini malls. It's just you you'll find everything here. I mean, I don't see why you would want to go anywhere besides Queens. I mean, here you can get a snapshot of where is the next country you want to go to. Well, think about it. They got the World's Fair in Queens for a reason. That is correct. Exactly. That there's a reason why the World's Fair hasn't like happened since like I mean we're trying to think we'll bring it back, but uh, oh yeah, I was about to ask you. So what's up with the World's Fair? Are y'all gonna bring that back? I know they're working on it. That's all I'll say. But uh, I don't I don't know how how uh, labor intensive it's going. But I know they're trying to bring it back. And I, I know we started a little bit with the Queen's Night Market. Oh, that's another thing we had um, over the summer, and I think it's still going on to September. The Queen's Night Market basically every Saturday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday maybe. Um, from like, you know, like 5 p.m. to like 9 p.m. There's like food vendors from like everywhere you can think of. And you just where is like, that at? That is in Flushing Meadows Park. Um, okay. Right by the Hall of Science. Yeah, it's okay. actually really, really cool. Um, so I would, you know, that's one of the things that's going on right now. We have like everything. I don't know why anybody would want to go anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> facts, facts. Well, I appreciate you for coming on and I appreciate this conversation. Thanks of for coming course, on. Of course. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. All right. Peace. Peace. Take care. Bye. All right, take care. Bye.